you know, people just are genuinely curious and why shouldn't they be? Right. They absolutely should be. Mm -hmm. And on both sides of that equation, um, we should be, we should be confident in our own practices to have those honest conversations and show people that we don't have anything to hide. Now, granted, there are people who are going to try to get those gotcha type things and put you into things that will be taken out of context. So there is, there is something that we, there is something to be said for being careful with how we share information, but it doesn't mean we have to be totally uh, opaque to it. We, we definitely need to be transparent. Yeah, no, and that's that's always been the policy of of my podcast is giving as as transparent of a view to agriculture as possible. And you know, I have a full transparency policy with anything I talk about. If if somebody asks me a question, I'm I'm going to answer it with with full honesty. Right. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and today's episode, I have a very special guest for you guys. It's another ag podcaster. Uh, he runs the uh, Ag's, uh, Ag State of Mind podcast. Uh, Jason Meadows here is going to give his, his own little introduction. Um, I you know, would, would like to give it for him, but uh, quite honestly, I feel like he could do a better job himself. So, uh, Jason? Brennan, thank you for having me on the podcast. I Man, there's, I, and I'll tell you this, there's nothing uh, an ag or not ag, just a podcast host in general enjoys more than being on someone else's podcast. So <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity here tonight. Um, so like you said, my name is Jason Meadows. I am, I am from Cuba, Missouri, which is about, um, it's about halfway between Springfield and St. Louis, Missouri, uh, to the, to the bigger, the two, two of the three biggest cities in, in the state. So right in the middle of the state, only just a tad to the South. Um, I grew up here on my dad's mom's cow-calf operation. I lived there till I went to college. I went to, actually went to pharmacy school in St. Louis. So about an hour and a half East of me, um, we, I, did that for about, uh, let's see, I was at school for six years. Then I came back home, uh, started to work at a hospital here close to home. Um, that's where I met my wife. And now we're, we have four kids. We've been married for uh, 12 years almost now, I think. <laughs> um, but throughout my time through college, I really wanted to find a way, and not just in college, but even after I graduated college, I wanted to find a way to combine my two loves, the my, my medical profession with my love of agriculture. I, uh, I ran a cow-calf operation on my own in college. Uh, my dad helped me out while I was at school, but then I came home on the weekends and you know, we trade work that way. You know, dads are good for that sort of thing. And uh, so, but you know, so it was something that really helped me through college. It helped me financially, but it also helped me to get away from the city and have a reason and a purpose to come back home to. Um, so my love for 
agriculture is deep rooted. Um, so that all that being said, I, I wanted to find a way to combine those two worlds, my medical profession and my uh, love for agriculture. And I, I really struggled with that for a really long time trying to find a way. And then uh, last year, uh, June, uh, I'm sorry, July of 2019, I had that idea to start a podcast where I speak about mental health and agriculture. Uh, the reason I chose mental health and agriculture is because I myself had dealt with a lot of mental health issues, uh, really had a hard time coping with a lot of anxiety. And believe it or not, a lot of it stemmed from agriculture, uh, stemmed from trying to probably fit too much in with a town job and, you know, just a lot of, and then a family, all the stuff, all the things that go along with it and just having a really hard time managing everything. But then I got better. I got myself better and I wanted to reach out and share what I've learned and then hopefully learn more and just bring that perspective. You know, it's kind of a three pronged effort I've always said and that I am a medical professional. I am an ag producer and I just, I have struggled myself with mental health. So I come, I feel like it's a very unique perspective to talk about this and, and a conversation that really needs to be had, especially by someone like me who's living the stresses that is a man. Men do not want to talk about this kind of stuff at all. And, you know, try to maybe be a little bit of, first one out of the gate, not the first one out of the gate. There's other people talking about this, but uh, you know, be one of those people who is willing to put themselves out there uh, because I can handle it. I can handle the pressure that is coming from it. And I feel like uh, I feel obligated and I feel like I have a gift and a calling to do this sort of, uh, do this sort of work. Wow. Well, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, you know, it's a very noble goal to, you know, to do what you're doing. And it's definitely awesome that you're out there doing, you know, what you do. I think it's a really important topic that doesn't get talked about enough, especially in the ag spheres is just, you know, especially in today's, you know, uh, uh, society, we, we kind of have started to put more of an emphasis on the importance of mental health and, and maintaining, mm -hmm. you know, mental health and all that, all, all that sort of thing. But as you know, we've talked about on my podcast before, agriculture is kind of outside of that loop of, of mainstream conversations. And so the mental health of those involved in agriculture kind of gets left out in that, in that bunch. And so I was, I was really excited to hear about your podcast in the first place and be able to bring you on here and talk about some of that stuff, because it's something that in, in all the conversations I've had with lots of people about different aspects of the industry, the thing that tends to be missing from that conversation is the humanization of the farmer. People tend to forget that, you know, farmers are people too. They go through the same struggles. They go through the same issues that everyone else deals with. And some even, even more severely than, than others because of the massive amount of stress associated with the job that, that comes with producing food. So it's, it's really, really, you know, like I said, awesome to hear that you're doing what you're doing, that you're passionate about it, that you have, you know, like you mentioned, those, those three different perspectives all tied into one person able to kind of give that, you know, give that proper discussion about the topic that that's, you know, so important. So I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really cool thing. And podcasts are honestly really fun because you get to talk to someone you wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk to at all. I mean, you know, what are the chances you and I would have met in real life? You know, probably pretty slim, right? Yeah. But here's the podcast world and, you know, it's made, it's made it super easy for us to get together. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for that. And that's probably the thing about podcasting 
that has been the ben biggest benefit to me is the connections that I've been able to make through it. And just uh, finding, I, I've got some people that are, I genuinely call them friends. We've never met in person, but they're still friends. And it's, it's an amazing, it's amazing how technology and how things have moved forward to be able to connect us with people from all around, not just the country, but the world. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's like you said, when, when we first started this, there's nothing more enjoyable to a podcaster than being on someone else's podcast. It's, right, yeah. There's something fun about, you know, being like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm special enough to get invited to things. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why, but no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've made some really, really close friends with the podcasting community. It was a really, really important step of my life. I mean, if I hadn't started my podcast, I don't know where I'd be. Um, I'd probably still be, you know, going to college, studying to be an ag teacher, but I mean, I, I wouldn't be having nearly as much fun as I have been over the past three years. Sure. Sure. And who knows what it's going to do for you? You know, I mean, who knows what it's going to turn into for you? And that's the cool thing about it is like this just opens up so many new, so many more new doors than it would mm -hmm. have without it. Oh yeah. And it's, it's done, it's already done so much for me in terms of just, you know, not only opening doors, but just providing me with experience and, and, you know, knowledge and things I wouldn't sure. have known about before. And absolutely. It's, it's even changed my perspective on some things, you know, I, Oh yeah. Like me growing, too. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Growing up and doing FFA and doing, you know, speaking teams and all that kind of stuff, I was always kind of led to believe that consumers don't like farmers, that they are you know actively against what what's going on in agriculture. And I've had mm -hmm. those conversations mm -hmm. and learned that that's, not really the case. There are some who are completely against what's going on. Most of them just don't know what's going on, but they're curious to learn about it if you tell them. And so, you know, having those kind of conversations, meeting people who actually have an interest and are curious and just didn't know where to look, that was kind of eye-opening to me that there's, there's still hope out there for people to learn and care about farmers. So let's bring that into like a mental health perspective, because you, you mentioned that in, in the humanization of farmers, humanization of folks in, involved in agriculture, um, and you feel like that is something that, that is missing. And whenever you talk about the consumer, we so much, and I'm talking about this from the farmer's perspective, we almost see them as a faceless entity or mm -hmm. have in the past. And that's changing. And I think it's changing for the better because we, we are seeing that people are actually interested in our side of the food chain and our side of food chain supply. And if we do it right, I think that's good for the, human, for the mental health of the farmers to know that people are actually like, instead of guessing about it, you know, mm -hmm. the, knowing exactly what they want, exactly what someone in LA wants to know about. I mean, that's maybe a bad example, but I mean, cause that's, that's not the norm across America, but you know, someone in an urban area wants to know about how the, uh, how the beet meat was raised from the time it was born to the time it went to the processor. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really fascinating thing for me as an ag producer that that sort of conversation and that sort of talk is happening because people have been so far removed. Um, I think it's a good thing that they are trying to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've been, I mean, I've been caught off guard by some of the questions I've been asked. I mean, they're like typically, you know, for someone who hasn't had any experience talking to to anyone but ag people you, know, you go into a conversation with somebody like a, like you know somebody from an urban city or somebody from like the la area and you expect them to not know anything about agriculture which is i you know now i i can admit that that's kind of a you know a closed-minded view of things but you go in and talk to them and they have like legitimate 
questions that are, are very like intricate and you know questions that that I haven't even thought of before and you know things that I have you know had to actually gone and research and, and come back to them about just because I wasn't fully aware of what the situation was on certain things like you know and their concerns aren't founded in fear they're often founded in curiosity or they're founded yeah. in you know, just lack a general lack of understanding and they want to know. And, you know, that that's often like the, the thing is that, you know, we always assume that they're scared of new technology or they're scared of pesticides or they're scared of antibiotics. When in reality, they just want to know what's happening and we're not telling them. Sure. Yeah. Right. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right with that. And, you know, people just are genuinely curious and why shouldn't they be? Right. They absolutely should be. Mm-hmm. And on both sides of that equation, um, we should be we should be confident in our own practices to have those honest conversations and show people that we don't have anything to hide now granted there are people who are going to try to get those gotcha type things and put you into things that will be taken out of context so there is there is something that we there is something to be said for being careful with how we share information but it doesn't mean we have to be totally uh opaque to it we we definitely need to be transparent yeah, no, and that's that's always been the policy of of my podcast is giving as as transparent of a view to agriculture as possible. And you know, I have a full transparency policy with anything I talk about. If if somebody asks me a question, I'm I'm going to answer it with with full honesty. Right. I I you know I I always res- I always respect the you know like if I'm talking about somebody else or if I'm if I'm talking in reference to somebody else, I'm obviously gonna you know allow them to keep their you know any any, any kind of discrepancy that they want to keep you know, hidden, but I, you know, as far as anything that I have going on with my project, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't hide things for the sake of, because I've always said, you know, the, the, the more transparent you are, the less problems you're going to have essentially. Cause yeah. if, you know, if people, if you, if people know you have nothing to hide, they have nothing on you anymore. And sure. so, yeah. you know, like, like I've talked about, you know, in the past, there, there are some people out there who, you know, all they want to do is cause chaos and all they want to do is, you know, fight and cause trouble. And, and they're not looking to learn. They're looking to, 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 to pick a fight you're not going to be able to do much with those people. Some, you know, the very rare instances can have their mind changed. I haven't seen a whole lot of those. Most of the time though, that's not the general audience. Most consumers are pretty open-minded to, to stuff like that. And they're not looking to, to bash down the farmer. They're just looking to have a fun conversation and learn something new. And that's been kind of my, you know, that's been the fun part of my experience is getting to have those conversations where people actually are looking to learn something new. So I think that's a, you know, that's a good transition into the point of, you know, what, what you've experienced on your podcast with some of the people that you've talked to. So first of all, before we get into that, what are some of the, cause I know you, I know you do have guests on your podcast. What are the guests like? Are they from agricultural backgrounds? Are they? So I'd say I, I haven't done the like total breakdown, but I'd say 80% or uh, yeah, 80% of the folks I have talked to are directly involved in agriculture mm-hmm. in some form or another. Um, there are actually uh, some health professionals that I've talked to. There's some, uh, in fact, I talked to my, the, uh, a life coach of my wife. Mm-hmm. She's the one that she works with and uh, she has a podcast of her own and we talked about her approach. Um, but, but, so the 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 goal or the my target person that I want to reach is uh, is are people like me. Hmm. I I want to reach men who are you know twenty five to forty five have a young family uh, are involved in agriculture either full time or part time like 
uh, I don't think you're ever really involved in agriculture part-time. <laughs> it may not be your full-time job uh, per se, but I mean, there's no such thing as something as someone being involved in it part-time. Um, but someone like me, I, I, I want to reach someone like me. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they are that someone like me is the only person I listen because overwhelming majority of the people who listen to me are women. Mm -hmm. um, but that's okay because they reach the men mm -hmm. that the women reach the men and tell the men about what they have heard on my podcast and who the people, um, and you'll find out a lot of the guests are women because a lot of women are the ones who want to talk about this stuff. Right. And, uh, but that's okay. Again, it, it goes back to there, the, as long as the message gets relayed to the people like me, which I think it is, um, those are the people that I'm trying to reach. And I think I'm doing a good job of that. Awesome. Yeah. And, and that's, that's always been kind of the goal, right? Is if you can, if you can reach one person who has a connection to the person you're trying to reach, then you, you've already gotten there basically, you know, it's yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. Like even, even if it's not necessarily those, those men that are listening, they're still getting the message. They're it's still just, getting the you know, info and that's, that's what matters. Right. No, exactly. That's awesome. So have you, I mean, you know, before we move on more to the guest stuff, have you, have you, have you had a lot of interaction from your audience? You know, have people like reached oh, out to yeah. you? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's like, man, that's, that's the kind of stuff that keeps you going. <laughs> you know, man, when people tell you like how much they enjoy your podcast or enjoy a certain, uh, I love it when per people like reach out and, and, and like get really specific and talk mm -hmm. to me about like a little, like, tidbit of information they got and even like i love it when it's something that like didn't even hit for me like i love it when they took like oh this was my favorite part and i'm like oh really that awesome you know because i mean i that means i'm reaching people in a different like in a number of different ways and you know that's really cool i love that i love when people reach out and tell me what they learned or what they liked about the podcast and mm -hmm. even like i have some good friends who'll even call, tell me like oh man this, the, the audio wasn't great in that or you like you sounded really quiet so i mean you know even the even the you know uh, constructive criticism, man. Like that's awesome too, mm -hmm. because it makes me get better. Yeah, no, I, I, de I definitely agree. Anytime I have somebody comment on my podcast, whether it's something productive or something I can do better, or, you know, if it's, if it's just like, Hey, you're doing a good thing, just keep going. It's just you know, it's like a warm feeling that, that just shows yeah. like, Ooh, man, somebody actually likes me. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So why, so I, I think that the, you know, the conversation of, of, you know, ag mental health itself is one that hasn't really reached my conversations much and it hasn't really reached the minds of a lot of the people who aren't actively involved in the industry but it is a massive issue so i don't know if you necessarily have any you know any numbers or anything like that in terms of like what like what level of agriculturally involved people are affected by mental health in, in a severe way or anything like that or i mean i don't i don't but i will say this a hundred of people, a hundred percent of people need to pay attention to it. I agree. Every single person, agriculture or not, every person needs to pay attention to their mental health because mental health isn't something that is like you either have it or you don't, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, we all have it. It's, mm -hmm. it's not good or bad. It's just, it's, it's a neutral thing. It's a, it's, it's something that we have and that we can take control of if we let it, but it's also something that can take control of us if we don't pay attention. So, always monitoring, always knowing where we are, what's causing us stress, what's causing us 
stress relief, you know, always being comfortable enough and self-aware enough to have those conversations with not only with ourselves, but with the people who are close to us and having those people who we can have those safe and meaningful conversations with that's really key. That's really the, that's really the thing. And as far as numbers, I mean, everybody experiences stress in some form or another. So that is some, that is affecting their mental health. So, I mean, everybody needs to pay attention to it. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, just, just speaking personally, since I moved to Fresno and, you know, got involved in, in, you know, my, my uh, first year of, of four year college, cause I transferred from a, from a, community college to a four-year college you know so like moving on top of that stress on top of podcast stuff and on top of that like i did i know for sure that i was experiencing things that i hadn't experienced before and if it wasn't for mm-hmm. my girlfriend who was you know fairly well experienced in you know anxiety and depression and that kind of stuff if it wasn't for her i wouldn't have known what was going on so you know there's there's always a level of uncertainty associated with it but if you you know if you have someone to talk to about it if you have someone to work through with it it definitely makes it a lot easier to to make it through yeah, and you bring up an interesting point in in talking about the you know the transition from from high school to college or from mm-hmm. a new college to another. I mean, that was one of the most stressful times of my life, and I would have given anything to know that it was okay to be as stressed as I was, mm-hmm. and known that it was normal. Because man, it was a huge that was a huge uh, that was a, a really big burden for me, and something that like. And, and God bless my parents. I mean, they, they, did, they do the best they can, but they, they weren't equipped with the skills <laughs> like so many parents of that generation are. They just like, oh man, you just got to suck it up. You just got to do your best. And like that attitude's good, but it's not always the most helpful. Right. And, um, you know, so I think, I think being aware of that and being aware that even, even college students, even people who are in the perceived best days of their life or, you know, whatever they say that they're getting stress and that it's, it's hard on them for people to understand that. And people like yourself to know that it's, it's important to pay attention to it. Even at that stage of the game, it's going to save you a lot of stress and heartache later on when you're, when you're my age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, having a, having a better understanding of how to handle that kind of stuff, you know, again, thanks to my girlfriend being able to help me through that kind of, you know, situation was definitely, if I had, if I hadn't have figured out how to, you know, how to properly address that, I would probably still be having a hard time with my, you know, with my productivity, with my, you know, with my success, with the podcast, with my grades and all that kind of stuff. Cause it, it really did bring me down for a solid week before I figured out what to do about it. And, you know, you never truly do anything about it. It's just managing it until it's not going to, you know, drag you to the ground anymore. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah. So, so that, that being said, how, you know, obviously, you know, you know, you seem to know quite a bit about mental health and, and, you know, the different struggles that different types of people have, you know, have gone through. What have you learned since starting the podcast about mental health in terms of both agriculture and just generally? So I think the biggest thing I've learned, and it's already what I said is like mental health is something everyone should pay attention to. And I, mm. I didn't know that when I started the podcast, I totally expected to just talk about people with uh, mental illness, mental disorder, mm. people with depression, anxiety. And I thought it was going to be a very niche uh, kind of conversation, but the more like very early on, I learned that this is not something that's niche. Mm. This is something that everyone needs to talk about. 
And, you know, I remember people telling me, oh, that's kind of narrow, isn't it? That's kind of a narrow thing. I was like, yeah, it is. But, you know, I think I'm going to reach the people. But no, it's not. It's not a narrow conversation. It's a huge conversation. It's something we all need to be talking about. And I mean, I sure can't totally cover the cover the every I I don't think I realized how important it really was and how big of an issue it really needed to be to um to 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 talk about it and the the fact that we even though that we all are different we all experience stress differently certain things affect us differently as an industry ag in general um you know I don't know the first thing about row crop farming I don't, I never have, never, I probably never will. I mean, I've learned a lot just by talking, making friends and talking to people. Um, but I, I'll never experience or know what it's like to have a, you know, a hailstorm come and destroy a crop for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, that's something I'm never going to have to probably deal with. But at the same time, I can totally relate what that would look like in my, you know, uh, say we had a snowstorm in the middle of calving season and lost half my calf crop or whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I can understand how that would affect me. And I can apply that to my own and, and, and have a lot of empathy for someone who is going through that situation. And I think that's what makes agriculture so unique is we, even though we aren't necessarily doing the same things, we understand one another. Mm. We, we all understand one another and it, it, it can be a really, really great and uplifting community. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've, I've, I've had that similar experience. I mean, obviously I've, haven't been involved in production agriculture enough to know, you know, what that level of, of, you know, pain and stress would, would feel like, um, you know, because I've, my closest interaction has either been working on farms or, or just raising cattle for, for show and not really doing a whole lot mm-hmm. of, you know, actual commercial work with my own herd or anything like that. But I mean, kind of the closest thing I can compare it to is, uh, I, I don't know if you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard, um, but back in 2009, you know, in California, we had a, a, a monstrous amount of dairymen taking their own lives because of the, yep. you know, just the economy cl- you know, collapsing and, and just how terrible the milk price was. And just like, you know, I lost, a, my, my dad lost a lot of really good friends. I lost a lot of really oh, good gosh. family friends. You know, we, we watched half of our town get torn apart by, it was just, got off. I mean, like I was only nine years old. So obviously I didn't really know what was happening at the time, but looking right. back on it now, seeing how detrimental just, you know, a flux in, in, in economic status can, can be to, you know, a single person's livelihood or, or an entire industry's livelihood is something that, you know, it kind of puts in perspective just how serious this, you know, this, this topic is, and also how serious the, the conversation around how we can keep those types of things from happening is. So I don't know if you, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you've, you've heard about that sort of thing happening or, or I'm, I, I know that it happens fairly frequently in the ag industry. Oh my gosh. I, it's, that. there's something about dairy, the dairy <laughs> is, and I think a lot of it has to lead, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole here, but mm-hmm. um, there's just something about dairy. And I think it's how the lifestyle is. I mean, it's 24 seven. It's, mm-hmm no days off it's no vacation it's milking the cows twice a day even on christmas you mm-hmm. know i mean that's a uh, that's a lifestyle that is so hard and when it gets disrupted 
it's, it's really hard for the people to deal with. And mm-hmm. I've found that like, and I'll say this, the, the industry I have learned the most about through this process is the dairy industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to probably more dairy producers than I've talked to any other certain type of farmer. And it's incredible that I didn't under, I don't think I really got it until I still don't totally get it because I don't live it. Mm -hmm. Um, But their lives are incredibly, I mean, it's incredibly stressful. And, you know, then to think about what happened this last spring with the milk dumping and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And, uh, and now they've got the Dean foods thing. I don't know if you've heard about that. I mean, I'm sure you probably have a little bit, but yeah, but it's, you know, they're, they're, wanting some of their payments back for their farmers and like, man, like Mm. give these folks a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's a big thing. You know, whenever I, which, like I said, I don't, I don't discuss it very often, but whenever I do bring up, you know, mental health and agriculture and episodes, people tend to not, you know, they kind of like bat their eyes and like, what do you mean? I'm like, Oh, you, you don't know. Like dairymen, especially I'm, I'm, you know, I know what happens in other industries, but dairymen, especially from what I've seen have, a, a significantly high rate of, you know, of, of taking their own lives and, and of having severe mental health issues due to just economic flux alone. That has nothing to do with, you know, regulations or changes in, in markets, you know, like there's, that's just when, that's just from economic perspective, that's, you know, there, there's other things that cause those, those, those stressful factors too. But like, I almost equate like the dairy industry or like a dairy operation to, like a human, like a, like a body that doesn't have a great immune system. It works really well until you throw something foreign in there and then it just destroys yeah. the entire thing. Yeah, it is. And that's right, man. And it's, uh, man, it's hard. And God bless the people that do it. There's some mm-hmm. great folks in the dairy industry and I, I, I'm so thankful for them. And, um, but man, they, it, it can get really tough for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I, my hometown is, is all dairy. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we have seen it firsthand. We've, you know, we've, we've known quite a few family friends who have gone through that, that struggle. It's not fun to, not fun to watch from the sideline. No. I, can, I can only imagine how they feel, you know, being in, in the middle of it, but right. Um, so, so, you know, transitioning away from, from the morbid topic. <laughs> um, so f- as an agriculturalist and, you know, as someone who deals with cattle you know, cattle are kind of my, my favorite aspect of agriculture. Do you see that as a, cause I actually, I actually got asked this question the other day. Um, you know, somebody asked me once, cause we were talking about mental health and ag, cause I was talking to them about how I was going to do this episode. And they were like, well, you know, typically people think of agriculture as like the retirement job. Like you get to, you know, just chill with your pasture and you know you get to check on your cows it's very relaxing all that kind of stuff like you know do you like don't farmers you know find comfort in being able to just have their own land and, and just chill and i i basically i mean and you can you can answer this better than i can but i basically said like yeah you know there are definitely you know very relaxing aspects of the job and it's a very fun job it just is associated with a lot of high stress because it's basically you know it's high risk high reward kind of you know kind of operation right. here so i mean i don't know if that's your experience you know i'm, I'm sure that you so if you you know, and I talked earlier, like I had a lot of things, you know, the, the up and down of the cattle market in 2014 that I kind of got stuck in a little bit on the bad, uh, you know, I had to kind of eat some stuff on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was really tough for me and still is tough for me to deal with. Um, but I love it. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing it. It's not worth doing if you don't enjoy the hell out of it. Right. I mean, because I do. And, you know, what's the really cool thing about it to me before we were out here, we, so we weaned some calves a couple weeks ago 
and um, I I had a late meeting at work, so I didn't get home. I got home right before dark, and I, I text my son. My son's 15, and I said, we need to sort the steers from the heifers because we hadn't done that yet. We just had them all running together, and uh, I said, and then I, then I forgot about that man. Like, I will just do it tomorrow. Well, I get home. They've already got them in the lot, started mm. sorting them. And so, like, that's the cool thing to me about it is getting to go down there with uh, – it was two of my sons. One is 15, the other 10, and getting to work with them. And we talk about the herd and talk about which calves we – you know, we're down there. We're picking out their 4-H calves, calves for the fair and that sort of thing. And, you know, the the bonding and, you know, the, the, the kind of – legacy type planning that goes along with it <laughs> i mean it's so cool and being able to have that with your kids and with the family you know and it was like that for me and my dad i mean that was that was the thing when we couldn't agree on anything else we agreed over how much we loved cattle yeah. and you know that's a that's amazing that's an mm -hmm. amazing thing to have and yeah so i mean yeah and it does it's stressful it can get incredibly stressful the markets are totally out of our control the weather is totally out of our control trades totally out of our control um consumer opinions are there's i mean we we can control them a little bit but uh there are a lot of other outside factors in that but um so yeah it's very stressful or it can be very stressful but doesn't mean we can't enjoy it and do the things and do the things that's fun about it. And so even though I, I don't necessarily agree with one, someone who might say, well, that's like a retirement old man <laughs> thing. Um, it, there is a certain amount of, of bliss that comes with just riding around checking cows, especially when the weather's nice. Mm -hmm. yeah and i can definitely like in the, when the weather's starting to warm up in the in the spring mm -hmm. and you know cows are starting to get on green grass you drive around there's new calves on the ground you look at them i mean shoot that's that's a lot of therapy for me 100 <laughs> percent. yeah no i i couldn't agree more i mean like i like i said i i did raise beef cattle throughout high school mm -hmm. you know my, my dad raised beef cattle when he was in high school so like we would always bond over my calves and working with them we would wash them mm -hmm. together and talk about you know oh yeah that's a nice steer like we go to we go to jackpot shows and talk about oh yeah look at that steer look at that steer. so like that was kind of my you know whenever i was stressed out i would go out to my steer and that was like my happy place was getting to hang out with my steer mm -hmm. and you know feed him and, and just kind of sit there and pet on him and all that kind of stuff so like i i definitely I can definitely relate to to that aspect of it. Um, it do you know, because I don't know what it is exactly, but there's something about, and I, I'm not sure if this is for everyone or not, but there's something about being around animals, particularly baby animals as well, um, you know, like calves or, or you know, piglets or, or you know, uh, whatever the kids or, you know, whatever the animal is. But like, there's something about being around animals that it's like, almost like, you know, like you said, therapeutic or relaxing or, or just comforting. Do you know why that is? So I, t I, I can't speak exactly to it on, on uh, like the animals like cattle, horse, or I'm sorry, cattle, goats, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I can't talk about it on horses mm -hmm. um, because I've had a couple of people on the, on the podcast who did therapy with horses like equine therapy, mm -hmm. which is something that's super interesting to me because we grew up showing horses too. Okay. And um, horses will, are, are, are documented to be therapeutic mm -hmm. in that they can match their heart rate to yours. Oh, really? And it, it's, a, it's an incredibly, huh. almost something that I didn't believe. 
but I've had two, two different people came over and told, came and told, on the podcast and we talked about it. And because my dad will say this and he, and what you said about the, you're going and taking care of water and uh, washing your steers remind me of something my dad used to tell me in that he would have like a, he couldn't sleep or something and he would wake up in the middle of the night and he had a, the barn was right next to the house and he would just go out and get a yearling colt out of the, out of the uh, out of the stall and tie him up and brush him mm-hmm. and you know whatever was on his mind he reason he couldn't sleep and he'd go out there take care of that horse for 15 minutes put it back in the stall come back and go back to sleep sleep like a baby hmm. and you know so i've always known that there is an ability there is a therapeutic ability of horses um but i didn't have it confirmed until i taught it was uh chris minor and beth killo uh, episodes 46 and 40 ah two or three i can't remember when exactly when chris's was but around there you know they were both very close to one another and that was very encouraging and like justifying it to me to know that and and i and i think i think animal cows are the same way or any kind of any kind of prey animal mm-hmm. prey animals have that ability i think to like kind of match and and they are, they're very intuitive, very instinct because they know when they need to leave and when they don't. Mm-hmm. So they're very they pay a lot of attention to how we interact with them, and we can learn a lot from just watching them move and watching them eat. And it's a it's it. it I'd say whatever you know any any kind of there is a definitely a therapeutic effect to spending time with animals. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so my sister trains horses for a living. That's, that's her oh, okay. job. So she's, you know, she's all, she knows all about the, the uh, horse therapy. Uh, she actually worked for, or not worked for, she volunteered at, um, I don't know if you're familiar with happy trails, but, um, Mm-mm. they do horse therapy for, for, uh, kids with special needs. And she worked over there for a long time. Um, so she's, you know, I learned a lot of what I know about animal behavior through her. The thing is, though, what's weird is uh, she obviously knows, you know, a, a significant amount about animals and how to, and, 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 you know, specifically horses and how to train them. She knows like how their brains work. She knows how they'll interact to certain things. She can like read their body language. Like she's been studying them for a, a pretty good amount of time. Almost everything that she knows about horses, I've been able to translate into cattle. And I find yeah. that a lot of the things tend to transfer over. I mean, horses are a bit more complex than cattle by, you know, by far, but I mean, they, horses tend to be a little bit smarter than cattle too. Of course. Yeah. Um, But there's something about cattle that I've noticed that have a very similar therapeutic effect to horses. I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe it's like you said, you know, prey animals tend to have that like herd mentality of like, Uh you're part of my family now. And you know, that, that might, cause like there's, they're obviously gonna be less competitive than, than, you know, predator animals. Um, so I'm not sure if it's that, but I mean, I studied a lot of Temple Grandin and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. she has a lot of stuff on, on that too, as well, you know, as far as, you know, how to get animals to trust you. And as soon as they trust you, there seems to be some weird, like, you know, unspoken, like uh, bond almost between, you know, you and, and that animal to a point where you almost feel safer around them. You know, like you're trying to make them feel safer around you and you actually end up feeling safer around them than yeah than realize. So it's, did you have Sorry, did you have Temple on the podcast? I, I did. Did I remember? Yeah, so did I. <laughs> oh, incredible. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's amazing. I've been studying she's her for incredible. years. She's, oh, I know. She, so have I. Yeah. Incredible she, human being. Yeah. So she's she's awesome. I've actually I've been kind of employing some of her lessons into you know into some of the things I've been talking about on the podcast as far as animal behavior and stuff goes. So oh, she's she's just. I mean, she's like 
I, I don't know. Like there's, I, there's not a word for her. There's not a word to describe her because no. she's so extraordinary. And, you know, I find myself thinking about her anytime I step in, in, in a, in a, in a semi closed space with an, with a cow, mm-hmm. I think of her and I yep. think of, you know, how would she approach this? And, yep. you know, why is that cow balking at that? You know, you, it, it gives you such a bigger picture of what we're doing other than just standing there screaming at a bunch of cows. Right. And, uh it's there's a lot that can be i i wish and, and it is she's getting more and more recognized and well known but i mean everyone who owns a cow should... nope you there yeah i'm there there was a little okay, he, he... that was weird i don't know what that was <laughs> yeah he cut out for a second it's all good um but yeah no i completely agree she's you know Un, un, unbelievable and, and anyone who's, who's working with with i mean not just cattle but animals in general need to be you know aware of her stuff i mean what you know what i learned about her in terms of like flight zones and you know testing yeah. and all that kind of stuff i so I, I started i started reading about her stuff my freshman year of high school and mm-hmm. by my sophomore year i had learned enough about how to handle cattle that i was i was teaching all of the rest of the kids in my in my grade and, and younger and even some older than me about showmanship and all that kind of stuff because of they didn't understand that relationship with animals so they'd walk in you know terrified and they'd walk in the in the cows you know in, in the steers blind spot and they wonder why their their steers running away from them and so i'd have to like teach them i taught them all about flight zones i taught them all about you know how to how to introduce yourself to to an animal and, and make sure it knows that you're not a threat i taught i taught them all this stuff and it wasn't until I taught them that, that I really understood it. Cause you know how they always say like, sure. you know, you don't mm-hmm. understand something until you can teach it to someone else. Um, so I, I really, you know, I really, after studying her stuff, really tried it and I tested some stuff out and like, have you ever seen the movie, how to train your dragon? Oh, sure. Yeah. It, I felt like that, but with cows. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I was testing out different stuff. I was like, okay, that worked. Okay. That got him to kick me. So that's not going to be a good idea. Um, so I was just like, you know, trying out different stuff. And I was, I was playing with stuff that I read from her books and stuff like that. And I kind of, developed my own you know grandin based style of approaching cattle and i i was comparing with my sister's notes on on how to handle horses and i like learned a few new things about how cattle you know interact with with people and with other animals and so it was really interesting and it it definitely helped me understand more about how you know their behavior works and, and a little bit more about why we're so you know prone to bonding with them so quickly yeah, no, she's incredible. And you should, have you ever watched the movie? You ever watched her HBO movie? So I, I watched it my freshman year of high school, but it's been so long. I don't even remember what it, what it was about now. Oh, uh, it was just, she said it was the, she said she, that they did an excellent job. Oh, really? Up with her and how she thought and how she thought in pictures. Um, it's, it's worth watching for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, I'm always surprised because I talk about her all the time on the podcast. I, I'm explaining, like when people ask about slaughterhouses, I explain how she designed like the, you know, the winding pattern. And mm-hmm. I, I explain how, because they, they, for some reason, they, they don't seem to understand how she was able to, you know, think like an animal was. And she was able to see all the things that the, the animal would see. So like, you know, half the, you know, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised, but half the consumers I had talked to had never even heard of her. So I, I've been really trying to introduce her to the, to the public, like guys, you got to get behind this. This is so yeah. cool. And hundred percent. Some yeah. of them pick it up. Some of them are just like, eh, that's okay. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> so yeah, no, that was kind of, I mean, I, I was just curious if you had any, any knowledge on, on why it is the animals are, are kind of our go-to therapy, you know, therapy buddies. Just from what I said, just for, that's, I mean, I, I don't know anything about anything as far as that, <laughs> other than it's, it's, it's real. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, that, that's, that's definitely, I mean, that's, that's been apparent as far as I can see. That's why we have therapy dogs and, and horses right. and we even have therapy llamas. I didn't, I didn't even know about that until recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, it's funny though, what all the stuff you can get into with that. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool stuff. So you mentioned that you've had some people on, on, on your podcast that are less um, agriculturally based and more just, you know, other medical professionals. What, what have their thoughts been on the whole ag mental health thing? So I think, and for the most part, I'm trying to think here, as you ask that question, I, even the people who aren't involved in agriculture are, are familiar with rural life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I, I think to me, that's gonna like that's the that's the big end game here is is talking about is talking about ag for sure, but even expanding about just rural life, mm -hmm. and um, because I think that's something that people in rural America are feeling forgotten a lot, and I mean, it, it's hard unless they have a voice. And, you know, so I, I think, and I, I don't want to deviate from your original question too much here, but uh, talking about rural America and the, 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 the problems that they have are real mm -hmm. and they aren't understood by people who don't, haven't lived there. Them. Mm -hmm. um, do my part in the stigma of mental health in ag, but also to get a grip on all the all the health and men, both mental and physical issues affecting rural America. And that's, I mean, that's the overall. Like, I think I found that mission in the middle of what I was tr originally trying to do, and I think that's my big picture mission. But to go back to your original question, what are the what are the professional type people saying and uh, they understand. They do. They totally understand because they can. You can explain to them what the issues we're going through are in agriculture, and they understand it because there is so much that is outside of our control. Um, and they also understand that it takes it takes somebody who understands the lifestyle, understands the life, mm -hmm. to to kind of provide help. And that's where a lot of this kind of mental health first aid is coming in. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but it's a lot of training that are, that are, that's going on with people who uh, are, are involved with these farmers day to day, you know, like your vets, like, like your seed salesmen, like your nutritionists, that sort of people. And uh, trying to get them to recognize the initial symptoms, initial signs of people who are struggling mentally, and then being able to get them to the proper professional. Mm. Um, so I think that's like, that's the big thing that the, 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 the professionals are showing us is that it, it's going to take a, an all hands on deck approach to this. Wow. Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's good to hear that they're not only, you know, sympathetic to the situation, but they, they also have some, some potential solutions and some. Improvements. Yes. Yes. And I do, I want to talk to more actual professionals. Mm -hmm. um, that's a goal of mine is to get more actual mental health professionals on because to, first of all, to kind of show them that to to bring them to mental or i'm sorry bring them to ag folks and you know maybe bridge that gap as someone you know as 
someone who's kind of a mediator there and talk to them about the stresses in agriculture and let them expound upon it even further. Uh, that's, that's really important to me. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think that, so I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm studying to become an, an ag teacher. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I am trying to make it a goal of mine, you know, by the time I become a teacher to learn more about mental health, that way I could see it present in my students. I can help them out as well. And so, and that's another goal of mine is, is to, t- I, I, I want the, I want the FFA kids and the 4-H kids to have this as part of their curriculum. Mm-hmm. I want to get out in front of those kids and talk to them and get this message to them because I want, I want them to understand that it's okay to talk about this stuff before someone lets, tells them that it's not okay. Right. Because I think that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Is we've gotten conditioned to think that this stuff is not okay to talk about. Right. When in fact it's in, it's it's crucial to talk about it, or else it's going to be a it's going to be a wreck. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I I I that's a that's a something I another thing that I didn't realize when I started that uh, pretty pretty early on that I want to talk to the I want to get into those those fourteen to eighteen year olds in that impressionable age like you are you know mm-hmm. like the when you're doing as an ag teacher I mean mm-hmm. that's that's where I want to be too. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think it's, you know, like you mentioned, it's, it's not just important, but it's almost vital that they you know, yeah. begin to learn this, you know? Yeah. Cause it's so much easier to learn it when you're, when you're 14, 18, mm-hmm. than when you're 35. Right. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I'm glad that I learned it as early as I did or else I might've been. Oh more. yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. So I think that the last question that I have for you is that, you know, I, I, like I mentioned, I've, I've been trying to learn more about this kind of stuff. So I've, I've looked into some other mental health podcasts and I've learned that they're kind of everywhere. I mean, there's, there's a lot of mental health podcasts out there and that, you know, shows how much of a, of a pressing issue it is that some people want not only talk about it, but they're all getting a ton of listeners too, which means that people want to listen to it as well. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, like, obviously, you know, some of them are going to be non-ag people connecting to like non-ag based mental health stuff. Uh, like you're reaching out to the ag crowd. Do you think that there's room for like mental health to be the the connector between ag and, and the consumer? Like, do you think that by showing like, yeah, you know, farmers go through the same stuff that you go through, you guys aren't as different as you think. Do you think that could be something worth? You know, certainly bringing? because certainly because it makes them, again, it goes back to the original thing you said in humanizing the farmer and helping them understand that, you know, we have issues just the same as someone who's not involved in the in the industry does. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have marriage stress. We still have, you know, the stress of how our kids are doing in school and um, how, you know, even, even simple things like, like school ball games and, you know, acts community events, and you know, they're there. We all, and it's a great thing about. I mean, not just as Americans, but as you know, a global society. We all there. We can all find some common ground somewhere. Mm-hmm. We all have something in common, and being able to bridge it, and maybe that maybe mental health is that. I've never thought of it that way. In bridging that gap. Understanding that you know this is something we all go through. We we experience it over different things, but we still experience it. Um, you know, maybe that is maybe that is a good thing that comes out of this, and we talk about 
talk about it more with our consumers and, and bridge that gap. I, I hope so. I, I hope that's a, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. And I've never really thought of it that way. Yeah. I mean, as, as we kind of discussed it, I, I started to, you know, it started to appear to me more because my entire goal here is to be what I consider somewhat of a translator between producer to consumer, you know, try sure. to take, you know, take the, the agricultural technical language and put it in layman terms that consumers are not only going to understand, but they're going to be interested in learning about too. And so I think that a big part of that, like I mentioned at the beginning of this is, you know, helping the consumer understand that the farmer is not only a person, but they're very similar to how the consumer lives their life mm -hmm. as well, just because they run different jobs and, and one farmer his job is his life and the consumer, his job may not be his life. Doesn't mean that they're different people. So right. oh, I, sure. as I was thinking about, it, I was like, huh, I mean, they do go through the same issues just in different contexts. That might not be, I mean, it's kind of the whole, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend mentality. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, I mean, like I said, that was, that was kind of the last question I had, but from from your perspective, looking at you know what I'm doing with my podcast, I'm communicating with consumers. Is there anything that you recommend that I I do like you know more mental health awareness stuff for farmers, having more of the conversation of you know farmers are people too? Like, is there anything that you would recommend for my message? No, I think you're I think you're onto something there in you know doing your best to humanize the farmer and bringing them out and showing that they are real people too, and they aren't like this um like exception to society mm -hmm. that's a big thing you know because i think even as farmers we feel like that sometimes and we feel almost like that we have this image to uphold mm -hmm. and to know that that's not necessary it's not necessarily to have a image of what a farmer is and you know in fact i think that's more harmful because it means that we have to try to live up to something and instead we can just be okay with you know whatever makes us individuals and whatever makes so yeah so trying to bring out the individualism of each person that you talk to both on the consumer and the producer side i think that's really key and and, and you know because i think what being able to relate being able to relate to someone making everyone relatable that's that that that's i think the big the best way to to be a conduit. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's been kind of the, you know, that's, that's what I've been working towards this whole time. I'm hoping that I can, that can actually kind of get there being a, you know, a, a good, you know, a good trend transitionary piece between that, you know, the, the producers and the consumers and having that conversation be, be sure. only productive, but actually lead to some, some healthier relationships between the two. So, right. But I think that's all. I think that's all I have for you. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to comment on, or anything. Else, if if you had any questions or anything. No, nah, man, Brennan, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk again. Like we've talked about, love coming on other people's <laughs> podcasts because it makes it, it, it's refreshing to be on the side of the mic sometimes. And uh, you know, I just encourage everybody to first of all, obviously, check out my podcast, Ag State of Mind. Find it across all podcast mediums. Uh, website is agstateofmind.com. Um, and then just don't be afraid to have the, the, the mental health conversation with someone who's close to you because, you know, chances are if you're not going to have it with them, they may not have it at all. And I mean, it's, it, it's way better to have that hard conversation now than wish you had it later. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad that you, you plugged all your stuff. I was actually going to ask you to do that again. So perfect. I'll link all that down in the description. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was, you know, 
good conversation, a good stopping point, mm-hmm. good message to to end on. So um, that's you know that's all I all I've got. You know, thanks again, Jason, for coming on. Of course, the podcast. man. It was you know, of course sure a pleasure. You know, um, thanks again to all the listeners for tuning in and for all the support you guys given and all that great stuff. I hope to see you next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. Mm-hmm.